Welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Adam Reeks, and it's time to meet our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the Herd Mentality Podcast. By the people, for the people, and today we have people from all around the world. They're all atheists of one form or another. Dan Errol, how are you? I'm fantastic, how are you? Extra good. What's the time there? It is just past midnight. Okay, so it's not too late. So let's go clockwise around the Skype. Lena, hi. Hi. Lena, Lana. Keep thinking Anything. Lena. Anything. <laughs> Anything works. <laughs> Anything works. Where are you from? I'm from Syria. How did you find out about the podcast? Um, Twitter. That's how we do things here, the herd mentality. Yes. Yeah, look, I've never spoken to a Syrian. I've never spoken to an Australian before, so. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm the first one you encounter. <laughs> <laughs> There's far nicer Australians out there. <laughs> and we have at from Shadows. Who are you and where are you from? I am from Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah, that's a place where they launch stuff into space, isn't it? Actually, they do that in Florida, but the control centers are here in Houston, so you're partially right. We have on the line Brandy. Who are you and where are you from? I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City, <laughs> tell me about that. Oh, it's a it's a fun place. There's a lot of Mormons here. Ooh. I'm a former Mormon. Of- it's pretty exciting. Salt Lake City, that's, um, isn't that where they do land speed records? Yes, out in the desert they do. Well, I guess the whole place is a desert, really, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got salt lakes, don't you? Right? They evaporated away and it's perfectly flat or very nearly? Oh, it's not. Well, yeah, the salt flats are, are pretty flat, but we still have our big giant lake of salt. And what grows in there? Can you go fishing is it, or is it sterile? Brain, brain <laughs> shrimp is the only thing in there. <laughs> shrimp? <laughs> brain shrimp. <laughs> shrimp sandwiches. <laughs> Not quite, but... <laughs> so you'd uh, maybe pop down on the weekend with a very small fishing rod. Yes, uh, and I don't have to worry about um, drowning because you just float on the water. There's so much salt in it. That's like the Dead Sea, isn't it? In Europe. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do that. That would be a, an amazing experience. It's not that exciting. Oh, so it's, uh, I suppose when you live right <laughs> next to it, it's it's not thrilling. Uh, it's like it's alright. I've got 420 kangaroos in the backyard that I can count. You guys must think that's very exciting, but uh, I can assure you, when you've seen one kangaroo, you've seen them all. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what were you? Uh, I was just kind of a plain old Christian. Um, Epis- Episcopalian, I believe it was called. It's been a while since I've referenced it. Is, but uh, Isn't that a star sign? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the ones that like dance around and, and speak in tongues. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've always wanted to try that. Can I, now, could I have a go now? Would it work via, can you do it over the internet? Uh, well, I, I lost my faith when I couldn't do it. <laughs> right, and that—that that was when you were there in front of people who were egging you on. Exactly. <laughs> so, did you ever do it? Did you try speaking in tongues? Uh, I, I tried. I went to a, a youth uh, group get together at a church, mm-hmm. and they called every, they called up kids that had never done it before and needed to be saved. And people around me were doing it, and I was standing there thinking, "Oh, I should be doing this." Like, but it wasn't coming to me. Like, you know, they kept saying you would just feel it go through you, and I felt nothing. Maybe they didn't slip enough narcotics into your, uh, <laughs> into your water bottle before you went in. And your parents supported you in doing this? Uh, my mom. My mom did. Uh, my mom was really into the church. She worked for the church, things like that. 
uh, my dad was a, he stayed home every Sunday while we all went to church. Yeah. Well, I think he made a wise decision just quietly. Yeah, he did. <laughs> now, would you rate that as the craziest stuff you encountered? Uh, with religion, yeah. That was um, the stuff like that. I mean, it, it was happened every Sunday in church. Someone would run up to the front of the church and start jumping up and down and speaking in tongues. And that, that particular event at the youth group was definitely one of the more crazy things I've been. And they did this at youth personally. group? And what, what sort of age yeah. group are we talking? Uh, you're talking probably, um, if I can remember correctly, I was probably 13 or 14. Oh, and wow. it was mostly teenagers, but they were all the way up to 18 years old. Surely there's better things you could be doing when you're 13 and 14. Oh, I could think of way better things. Gen- genital origami? <laughs> PlayStation, loads of ideas spring to mind. Yeah, no, uh, I could have done a lot better things, but that's, you know. Instead, you're yelling crazy things, channeling Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) And Lana from Syria. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your history. Well, I was Muslim. I still haven't exactly escaped, if you would call it that, because I still live with my parents, because um, I haven't left the country yet. Um, well, I don't know what to say. It's all crazy. It's all nonsense. <laughs> it's, it's all crazy, all nonsense. I mean, uh, it's. It, I can imagine it's almost a case of where do I start? Do your, Yeah, are, exactly. Are your parents both devout Muslim? Yeah. Do they speak English at all? Uh, my dad does. My mom doesn't. Uh, my dad's lived in Ireland, so... He knows English. Mm-hmm. He's a little he's a little more open minded than my mom, but my mom's pretty close minded. Right. And out of curiosity, do you both wear the burqa? Um, not burqa. We just headscarf. Okay. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Is it something? I hate it. But it's it's a moral obligation. Uh, it's I think it's more of a tradition than religion kind of thing. And because so so near, yeah. near where you are, do you see people walking around without it? Rarely, because uh, see, I'm from Syria, but I live in Saudi Arabia, and here they have the religious police. Ah. So if you don't wear it, they'll. Well, I think they can jail you. I'm not sure. Yeah, because that's sensible and reasonable. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, you show your hair, well, let's go to jail. Yeah, that's an offence punishable by years in the slammer. Yeah. So I spoke to a lady who goes by the handle at one godless woman, and she's a, a Saudi who's moved to Canada ten years ago. She was a rape victim. Yeah, and yeah, I, she spent time in prison. She, she spent three months in prison because a man who was not her guardian picked her up and, and transported her home, and the, the religious police picked her up. Now, how many religious police are there? They must, they must um, be everywhere. They fill, they fill the country. We've seen them in every mall. That, the, same, the same story actually happened to my friend, but she wasn't jailed because uh, she was younger than one godless woman. Mm-hmm. But um, her dad's friend was uh, dropping her off at home, and then the religious police found her, and they wanted to jail her, but they fixed it all up, thankfully. They fixed it all up. That sounds dodgy. It sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like... <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know exactly how they fixed it, but they, like, they helped her and they took her out. And how are things politically in Syria? I mean, you've probably got a better idea because you have access to yeah. first-hand accounts of what's happening over there. Well, I'm not exactly with the revolution. I'm not with it. Because, I don't know, it's caused more problems than solved them. That's from Shadows. Tell me yes. more about your background. Oh, man, that's an interesting, bizarre story that I lived. Let's see. Grew up with two fundamentalist Christian parents, my mom and my dad, in a basically cult where we were homeschooled and food co-op and everything. So we lived this life that was completely controlled and centered around religious beliefs. Dad was in a militia even at one point because, you know, the big bad government was going bad, all that. 
And I'm um, thankful to get out of that because the more time I've spent out of it, the more I'm realizing how insane my family was and strict they were. My mom's one mistake was having me read the Bible all the way through and taking us to the library. Yes, so I can both thank her and blame her for the control thing. And they're still practicing? Um, Yeah, my mom is still a very devout Christian. My dad, as he's getting older, he still goes to church and whatnot, but he's not as, well, yeah, he is. And a racist bastard, too, if I can say that. Yeah, uh, do what you got to do. So, but, um, okay, could you give us an example of perhaps something that he's done that's really put you on it? Well, I have friends of various colors, and he does not like any of them. I have friends that are gay, and, and I even have a transgender friend. He's never liked any of them. In fact, he won't allow them in the house. Wow. In fact, I'm in fact, I'm pretty much banned from going over there anymore, yeah. which is a, a, a public service, truthfully, for me. Well, isn't it a shame that you're unable to share some of the things that give you joy now with your parents? You're, you've grown up, you've moved out, you've, you've made a life for yourself, and they're not willing to share that anymore. You know, well, it's a, it's, it's a yes and no, because my dad was very violent very strict because you know the bible it says it's okay to beat your kids so it was okay for him to beat us so there's a law in australia that we're looking at passing uh, it's been recommended by a medical board that you're no longer allowed to hit your children full stop you can't discipline a child with violence and i think it's actually a really good thing because children understand rationality they can if, if you speak to a child as you would an adult and address them and say okay here's what we need to to do or here's if you stop doing this, this is what you will get, rather than using violence, which is something that they can take into adulthood. And I think this is probably one of the reasons why the populations of prisons have a higher percentage of religious inmates. Our beautiful, less than 1% atheist, it's beautiful. Yeah, I've I've always thought that's odd. And it's a bit of a recurring cycle. I was on another podcast this morning as a guest. Uh, We are talking about this, whether you should, in prison, give people incentives to have their sentences shortened by partaking in religious things such as going to church and so forth. I think it's counterintuitive. I think it feeds the system. It does feed the system, and that's what they want here in this state. Well, in this country, because unfortunately the prison systems have become kind of outsourced, and they make lots of money on putting you in prison. And so their incentive is to create a revolving door policy. The fewer people you can have in there, and the more people you can have back out in society integrated, then the better. Well, the the irony of things is that the state that I live in, Texas, which is known to be ridiculously religiously fundamental in all aspects, we have this, this – my state is well known for the whole ignoring the separation of church and state and – Quite a few of our governors have done great jobs of proving that in in our state, unfortunately. But um, one actually worked to set up education and um, to to truly rehabilitate them, Ah. you know, to to truly rehabilitate prisoners, most specifically uh, with drug problems. And the success rate was too high. And as a result, they got a new governor in and undid everything that she worked so hard to improve. Thank goodness. You know? Because we can't have a Texas Yeah, we can't have... Out. 
can we? We can't. We can't. We can't have the prison population lower. You know. Brandy, hello. Hello. Tell me about your religious upbringing. <laughs> um, I was born into a Mormon family. Um, here in Utah. You're and... Not related to the guy who went for president recently, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank goodness. I was about to bone you off this call. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, Romney. Um, <laughs> uh, I grew up a very, very fundamental Mormon family. Most of my family is still very devout Mormons. About half about half of my family is. The other half is atheist. <laughs> yeah. my, my two brothers and I, we've all <laughs> gone our separate ways. But um, very Mormons are a special brand of Christians. Let's... <laughs> The, um, the I, fact I, that they're a brand of Christian intrigues me. <laughs> like, oh, you've got Catholic Christians, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, a whole bunch of other crazies. And they all claim to follow the same book, but they do different things. And they all have different interpretations. They do do different things and have different interpretations. I think probably the most striking about the Mormons is their version of the Bible. They claim to read the King James version of the Bible, but they have their own translation of it that Joseph Smith supposedly got the the actual translation of the Bible. So they have their own translation of the Bible that makes it slightly different. Slightly <laughs> from more just correct. Regular, slightly more, yeah, slightly more correct. And it, it is interesting to watch other people on Twitter since it's where I spend way too much of my time as they argue against other Christians and many of the things that they argue against, like Mormons, they've come up with an answer for that. <laughs> that is that is separate. And it's really it's really interesting having grown up Mormon and, and only recently really learning much about other Christian religions. Like they're all equally crazy for sure, but uh, they definitely create I mean, with Mormons you don't have heaven and hell, you have different glories and so no one goes to hell and that's like oh, that's it's one good. That's yeah, no one, no one goes to hell. Cheers, guys. <laughs> so you don't have that threat. They have, they have a lot of other ways of keeping you feeling especially guilty. So, What was the, the single thing that made you feel bad? Well, for me personally, I was very devout and I never really, when I was younger, I never really questioned. And I, I managed to um, cherry pick in my beliefs um, and, and make sense of it all in my head. It was very, very crazy um, looking back on it now. And I was very good. I never really was, quote-unquote, tempted to break any of the religious laws that the Mormons have put in place. And so for me, it was a the thing that finally got me was my best friend was gay. And that was the thing that really, I couldn't, like, reconcile the fact that my friend was gay with the fact that the church, like, wasn't okay with that. And mm. at the time, you know, the church has kind of done a little dance around the Mormon church, I should say. I call it the church because I'm in Utah and everyone refers to it as that. <laughs> in Utah. But the Mormon church has kind of done a little dance around the gay issue in recent years. But at the time, it was still very much they believed that it was a choice and that they could pray the gay way. And um, I can reconcile that belief with with the fact that my best friend was was gay. And that was the thing that was the biggest challenge for me that started my path to... leaving it, essentially. You've all got one thing in common. You've all sort of come from these different faiths. How has it impacted your immediate family and friends from shadows? Well, I I think it's like I said earlier, like I don't get a whole lot of time with my family and the religious thing without fail comes up and I explain implicitly that I don't believe any of that silly shit and that offends people. I usually say it a lot nicer than that, of course, but. 
it creates a lot of strain because I have a big family and I don't want to even begin to point out that like my mom and dad have divorced because of differences and uh, he remarried and picked up more children and she picked up more children from another marriage and so I have this ungodly large family now when it originated of like three kids so like out of that I got two brothers that I keep in contact with and we get along pretty damn well but when it comes to the rest of the family Mm. it's pretty much ostracization because of the fact that I'm the non-believer, the devil child. You've been able to pick and choose. And the irony of things is, and the the bigger irony of things is, I'm the one in the family with the lowest uh, criminal record. Well, I suppose you wouldn't get a lot of time to go out and rob 7-Elevens if you're playing Final Fantasy all day. Well, no, when I was younger, I still found time to commit atrocious acts. But Is that when you were a believer? Ironically, yes, it was. Have you ever stopped to think about that? I have, and I realized... It was just as ridiculous as my belief. So how did you justify it to yourself at the time? Now that I'm older, I really don't think about that too much anymore because I was like, I did it, I'm older now, and moved on. I don't do stupid, silly shit like that anymore. So the irony of things is I have a a current... One, right now, one of my brothers is in prison. He's one of those strict Southern Baptists, always Bible this and Bible that. Like, then why are you in prison? Yeah, because the laws of the Bible, funnily enough, differ from the laws of the state in the U.S. I just find it funny that somebody that's always quoting the Bible seems to find the time to omit one of the Ten Commandments of Thou shalt not steal from his uh, memory. It's a pretty big one, that one. It's the easy one to remember. I don't, I haven't memorized the Ten Commandments, but I do remember that one, and it's, it's one of the few that I, <laughs> I stick to. So, Lana... Yeah. Have is your atheism a secret within your family? Have you just ever discussed this um, with uh, your parents? Um, I actually did discuss this before, kinda, but I told my parents that I was agnostic. I, I figured I'd soften the path for them, and um, to them, agnostic is just like being an atheist. So it was practically the same thing. I actually talked to them about this um, a few weeks ago, and they always thought I was like a smart child because I had good grades and stuff. And then after I talked to them about my ideas about religion and everything, opinions, my mom actually told me uh, that I was stupid. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And she's like, Nene, you're so smart. Your, your brain just burned and you became stupid right now. I'm like, okay, you really think so? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you cannot have those opinions. I'm like, why not? And she just said those things are not, not questionable and you just have to accept them. And I didn't agree with her. It's an awkward, yeah. a difficult conversation to have with your mother. I'm, I'm guessing you're yeah. a, stu- are you a student. Oh uh, yeah. And what are you studying? Um, I'm actually in high school. Okay, your yeah. English is amazing. Thank you. I would have loved to have had English that good when I was at high school. <laughs> Thanks. So, what are your plans for the future? I mean, you said that you you are a Syrian, but you live in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, are you planning to move on from there at some point in the future, or is this yeah. is, it, is it even an option for you? It's definitely an option. Um, my parents actually want me to move out. Uh, they they all want want us all of us to move to another country, maybe two years from now. Uh, yeah, all of us with our parents. Uh, they want us to like live together until I'm wed to my one one husband. Oh, to to your own husband, half your yeah. life. And has he yeah. been selected yet? Uh, no, thankfully. And um, but they, you're, you're, well, they given want... you're in high school, you're not ridiculously young. When 
it, will you have your own choice in doing so? Well, my parents aren't too extreme, so they won't pressure me into anything. They told me I can choose when I want to. Like mm-hmm. when I, even even if I didn't want to get married, they wouldn't say anything. They'd just be like, "It's your choice." Uh, but they would have to agree. Like he, the husband would have to have their agreement. They would have to love them and stuff. So he has to perform some sort of feat of strength or uh, uh, trade cattle. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> trade cows no. that's that's the joke we have over here no. that's, it, that's the preconception we have of the middle east it's it, look it's encouraging to know that you're able to make your own decisions because that that really is an, an important life decision isn't it not everyone is as lucky as me though unfortunately do you do you keep in touch with friends in syria oh uh, yeah sometimes they usually get married around 18 they they think that's the best age to get married 18 20s I think that's too young. It's none of my business. But as lifespans have increased, certainly women in the Western world are delaying when they have their children. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, but, unfortunately, that tradition has stuck around of getting married young. Is there any change in the next 20 years, do you think, in um, Syria? I don't think so. We're pretty stubborn people. But, so um, it's, in, I it's ho- in your nature. I, yes, it is. Um, I hope. I hope we change. But I don't expect it. I think it'll take the influence of neighbouring countries. And unfortunately, the neighbouring countries are just as crazy, if not crazier. <laughs> exactly. Dan, what are your thoughts on some of the things you've heard so far? I'm I'm sitting here in awe, especially with uh, with Lana and Syria and, and Saudi Arabia. That's that's I, coming from a U.S. standpoint. That's got to be such a tough way to live life. Yeah, I mean, just... the worst thing you've had so far is you had to stand up and <laughs> right. yell. Yeah, and do some crazy stuff. Yeah, and, I didn't uh, have to. I didn't have to fear telling anybody that I was atheist. I didn't have to worry about who I was going to marry. I don't have any of those things. So to think, you know, when I think about religious oppression on me, and then to compare it to a story like that, it makes it feel so minuscule. Dan's had it pretty good. Brandy's had it okay. From Shadows, who's you know that exhausted from all this religious ostracization that he's been forced into a life of no crime and lots of. Final Fantasy. Way over in the Middle East, we've got... I know, a terrible life I have, Lana, right? And then Lena, who seems to just have it worse than, I think, everyone here, but surprisingly chipper. And, and you're not even one of the people who really has it bad. You look at your life and go, you're actually really fortunate. Yes, I agree. I think I'm very fortunate compared to others, even some of my friends. Is there a topic that anyone would like to discuss that you think is important? Well, if it could, may, may I ask... Uh... Lana, a question? Sure. Do you plan on kind of sticking with the more uh, society-based or culturally-based wedding stuff as far as marriage? Do you think you'll marry younger or will you actually make sure you get your parents' blessing? Or will you, at that age do what you think is right? I will not get married anytime soon. I don't don't know. I don't plan on getting married. I I have uh, different opinions on marriage even different from some Western people. So I'm not going to get married. And I don't know what I'm going to tell my parents. I'll probably just tell them I don't want to get married. I just don't want to. It's not what I want for my life. And I'm even if I do have a wedding, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like the ones that we have here. It's going to probably be different. I'm actually planning on becoming a scientist. So I'm going to devote my life to science. So I'm going to Yay. tell my parents that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it works out. I hope I can make a good scientist one day. Yeah, I'll just, which um, fields interest you, Lana? Actually, more than one do right now, so I'm not sure which one I'm going to study. I like biology and cosmology, 
we're stuck between the two. So. Wow, cosmology is good fun. Are you a fan of Lawrence Krauss? Yes, a huge fan. I love his work. Yeah. Oh, he's very entertaining to listen to. Yes, I love him. So do you use uh, people like Lawrence Krauss to improve your English? Uh, I actually do a lot. <laughs> it's a, a long time ago, I used to listen to them to improve my vocabulary and pronunciation. And I'm more interested in this Mormon stuff. What, what's, <laughs> the, what's the craziest ritual that a Mormon might undertake? Getting their endowments taken out in the temple. It's a... It's a ceremonial. It's a ceremonial thing oh, that happens right. um, usually before for women. It's usually before they get married, um, or for either men or women when they go on a, a Mormon mission. <laughs> and it's a it, Mormon mission. They um, should integrate that into Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. We need to call Square Onyx about this. <laughs> Coming up after the break, the lead character goes on a Mormon mission. <laughs> oh, my sister went on a Mormon mission to Australia. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe that was her knocking at my door. Probably. I'll tell you Can we still it. summon Bahamut? <laughs> hey, okay, well, that sounds, that sounds ridiculous. And crazy. It is. It is pretty much ridiculous. <laughs> I've never actually experienced the endowment ceremonies because I've never been to the temple because I left before that nonsense before <laughs> I got married so outside of the are, temple are which was scandalous than others. <laughs> I don't know I don't I, I've seen videos online of what happens Ooh. but I've oh. never actually done it so it's it's all crazy and it's very strange it's very oh. masonic they have references to it on the one dollar bill don't they um, yes yeah. Is now is that just nonsense or is that actually there there is a real reference there? There there's actually that. a real reference there. Okay, do you know about it? Quite a few of our founding fathers here in this country were uh Mormons. Uh not Mormons, I'm sorry. Uh, Freemasons. Uh, Masons, yes. Yeah. Most specifically George Washington and I believe Adams was as well. Thankfully, people like Jefferson and, and Benjamin Franklin were not. Had a few more brain cells than the rest of them. So, and what's involved in being a Freemason? Um, I have the slightest clue. Maybe yeah, I, we need to get a, a, a panel on. Get, get some people <laughs> we need a Freemason flat panel. <laughs> yeah, let's Does anyone get some, know a Freemason? Uh, I, don't, I know a little some, bit. Let's, let's get some ex-Freemasons in here. <laughs> On the next episode. Coming up on the Herd Mentality, outdated religions. <laughs> Can somebody find a person in Egypt who still hails ISIS? <laughs> Excellent. I would totally listen to that one. Dan, what do you know? Um, well, I had a friend that was looking into joining it because he had a few of his friends that were, and I was talking to him about it. For the most part, there, there's not really a religious doctrine to it. But to be a member, you must believe in some sort of deity of some kind. And that's that really their down. only requirement well, as far and as what about What about those of us who believe in the Church of Dawkins? Would I, we get in, do you think? I doubt it. Unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, that was his big fallback. He thought about lying because he wanted to be a part of some sort of group really bad. And he thought about lying about what he believed to get in. Thankfully, he didn't because that's just a slippery slope of a... A way to go, but um, yeah, he got the application and it said that you had to believe in some sort of divine creator 
And that was the only weird thing about it that he mentioned. In just a sentence, I'll go around the table. I'll ask the same question of everybody. How much do you think in terms of money in, let's say, your lifetime, would your parents have contributed to the church of their choice? Go, we'll go with Brandy. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, An interesting question, just because um, my parents were both piss poor with money. So they were terrible at budgeting. As much as they gave to the church over the years um, in their 10% tithing, I know that my family has benefited from receiving welfare from the church um, oh. when we were younger as well as when we were older. When I was in high school and attempting to support my mother, <laughs> we had to basically live off of, of the church. So for me, it, we aided the church financially, but we also received a lot of aid from the church financially. So probably a draw. <laughs> I think we should really give that due credit. The The issue I have with it is something like the church is like a business and every business has running costs. I agree mm. completely. <laughs> and catch 22 as in for, order to get something back. Yeah. As for, much, for as much good as it does, like it's it's just completely unnecessary at the end of the day. Dan, would your family have been millionaires? No, um, not at all. <laughs> well, I, we were uh, very well taken care of growing up in my household, but you know, my parents gave, but I think, you know, my mom really gave time more than anything. She, like I said, she worked for the church. Some of it was paid, but a lot of it wasn't. And so really around my house, it was, it was volunteering and going to the church and, and taking care of things rather than dumping our financials into it. They, they gave, but, uh, never to the point that we felt it. Okay. Lana? My parents don't give, uh, the, the mosque or what should be the church here. They give zakah, but um, I don't think it's really affected us financially. I think it's neutral. Just hit pause for a second there. Um, from Shadows in Texas. I think with how much my parents spent on the church, I would have had gone to the college of my choice here in this state, which probably oh. would have been MIT, honestly. Really like that school. So that had a direct impact. I mean, I've spoken to four people. It's not really a large cross section. And do you have any? Do you have the option to go and study now? Now that you've, you're independent. Unfortunately, I live in a society where work is kind of hard to come by right now. Mm-hmm. So you're a citizen of planet Earth, and I think planet Earth suffers from this at the moment. Yeah, we our oh, education oh. system here is for profit. Uh, for the most part. Yeah, very much for profit, even though they want to say that they're non-profit. We have, we have great social systems. Like, uh, you know, we do have federal aid that you can get, but it's, it's a very high interest rate. And we do have, we have a problem with a lot of schools here that are not non-profits that they're supposed to be, and they are for profit. So you double the tuition fees and they, they make it very hard to go to school here and you rack up some serious debt that's hard to pay back. I'm a I'm a full time student right now. I'm lucky in California that I don't have to pay for m- much of it, but shortly I'm going to have to pay for a lot of it. Good family, don't you? Yeah, I'm a, I, I work full time. I go to school full time, and I have a son and a wife. And they, they, I think they'd be full time as well. You're really working three full time jobs. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm exhausted. And you've still got time to come on the herd mentality. Anything for you. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> Blushing. All right, have you got a good Texan joke for us from Shadows? Texas itself is a joke sometimes. <laughs> That's not um, a bad one. Okay, that'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Brandy? Oh, man, I have so many Mormon jokes, but I cannot think of them right now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Mormon jokes are so I know. They, are, they, really, they really are. <laughs> I'd like to know a Mormon joke. I'd have to, you? like, Google them to find them because oh, I can't remember kidding. any of them Anyone right now. Can... It's just because I'm on the spot. I can never remember them when I'm put I on the spot. I can Google it. 
I can I Google it in my own time. I've got the luxury <laughs> of an actual ex-Mormon here. You can't even think about have a joke about your own tribe. Oh, my goodness. There's Everything about them is joke-worthy. <laughs> oh. oh, no kidding about that. Can we start with the one where you get your own planet when you die? Oh, yeah, that's oh. the best. It's true. Really? I thought that was Scientology. No. No. No, no I must get mixed up because I, I... Nobody okay, goes to hell your own and Katie you can get your own you planet. <laughs> your, your own planet. That's mm-hmm. amazing. What would you do with the planet? It would be a lonely existence. Well, because you'd become a god. So I guess that makes Mormons polytheistic. <laughs> uh, do you think any of them have thought that far ahead? No. Well, not <laughs> not not logically, anyway. <laughs> and, and the really bad ones don't even get their own planet. They get like Pluto, which has been demoted uh, from a planet. No, no. The, the, lowest, the lowest kingdom is um, Earth. Oh. And the, <laughs> oh, so it's like the, reincarnation. The meek shall inherit the Earth. Yeah, uh, Earth becomes the lowest kingdom, and that's where the worst of the worst go. See, I've seen books, and I know that there's not a lot of planets out there that look very interesting apart <laughs> from Earth. This is where it's all going on. We've got electricity, running water. Um, yes, half the planet's shooting at each other at the moment. Except for those humans. <laughs> those pesky humans. Gosh, they get in the way, don't they? <laughs> Dan, Dan, please save this. Tell me you've got a decent joke about them. Oh, I've got a decent joke for you. Yeah, okay. yeah. I hope it hasn't been used on the show before, but... Oh, no, uh, there's no jokes on this show. We're deadly serious. <laughs> <laughs> the Higgs boson walks into a Catholic church, and the priest says, Hey, what are you doing here? And the Higgs says... You can't have mass without me. Oh, okay. That's, oh. that's more that's, that's like a smart dad joke. That's, that's the joke Richard Dawkins would tell his kids, I think. And they'd groan as much as we just did. Well, I'm a dad. I only have dad jokes. All right. Well, I might let you get on with your lives. Thank you very much for partaking in the Herd Mentality X-Theist edition. When you spoke, Lana, everybody else mm. listened in. It's just fascinating to peer through the through the, the mystery because over there, the, the news is sort of... We only get part of it, I think. Mm. And We're blocked first, out. Yeah, but hearing it firsthand on the, from somebody who's been there and lived there, that's really interesting stuff. So if you've mm. got any friends in Syria who would like to speak out and they can remain anonymous, then I'd like okay. to speak to them. All right. You know, there's a lot of us, but we're all afraid... But there's many of us atheists here. Thank you very much for coming on, guys. Thank you very much. Good, wonderful crew. Thanks, well. We'll be in touch, no doubt, on Twitter. Take care. Take care. This zany bonus track music was proudly sponsored by At Musical Humanist. Today's absolutely crazy bonus material is an interview with Matt Hunt, a guy who's really good at maths. And remember, all herd mentality bonus material is completely free. All right, herd mentalists. Once again, we have some fine bonus material, which to this day has cost you absolutely nothing. It's free. And on the line, we have Matt Hunt from England. How are you, Matt? I'm very well, thank you. We met on Twitter, as is traditional. You had my attention, given that you do really tricky stuff with calculators. Well, not exactly calculators, but I, what I do is I do mathematical modelling. 
So what I what I do is I look at some particular scenario, some some problem, and I throw uh, some calculus at it. Uh, and this, hopefully, I can get uh, a set of equations or equation I can solve, and this should tell me something about my particular scenario that I'm I'm in. I've I'm interested in. So I'm not exactly doing lots of things with calculators. If I do have to do some sums. And it's normally using a big computer because the cause the equations I get are normally quite hard to solve. Right, and when we say a big computer, are we talking something like Deep Blue? It can be, yes. My as I on my Twitter feed, uh, it says my specialism is classical continuum mechanics. Um, that sounds a lot like cosmic consciousness. <laughs> well, no, that's that's I I can I can break I can break it down. Um, so what's what's the classical mean? Well, the classical mean just means that it isn't quantum. That um, I still have um, a cause and effect structure. So that could be anything like, uh, well, I'm specifically doing Newtonian mechanics, and I'm applying it, applying it to fluids. fluids so they can be gas, liquids, gases, or liquids. Yes. So. Um, would you model, say, air moving over the wing of an aeroplane, for example? Yes, yes. Mm. And I've, I've, I've sort of done that sort of thing before, but with the aeroplane moving at supersonic speeds. So I know that there's a lot of money that goes into this sort of thing because when you're taking on 80 tonnes of fuel on an, an A380 to fly from yeah. one country to another, it makes all the difference in terms of how much drag you've got. And one... A question that I suspect I kind of already know the answer to is golf balls have little dimples on them, and that gives you a, a means of... Okay, elaborate. Off you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the dimples in golf balls is something to do with the turbulence, if if I recall. Mm, it allows them to fly straighter. Yes. And further. So, yeah. So, so it's, it's counterintuitive at that size. Well, I won't say at that size, but... You would think that a perfectly smooth ball would uh, have less friction, but in fact, it's the other way around. Yeah. Again, fluid dynamics is an absolutely huge area, and I'm aware of this sort of idea, but I, it's not my particular research area. So what's a real-world situation where something you've done has been applied? Well, I, I used to... My, my PhD is in fluid dynamics, and in particular, waves. So I study what type of waves you get under certain circumstances. Now, the sort of things I've been looking at are waves on shallow water with small amplitudes under the influence of an electric field. So what sort of things can you use that for? Well, it's, it's painting where you, where you need to understand just exactly how the paint's going on so you can model the coating as it goes on a particular plate, for example, uh, and you can get an idea of what instabilities are there are in the flow and, and all this sort of thing. So it's, it's that sort of thing which, which you can apply my, my theory to. So it's, it's, it's coating flows mainly. So I've, I've also done some, some work where you get really big waves, where the wavelength is of the same water as the average depth of, of water. So that's that's the sort of thing that I've done. So at, at the moment, <clears throat> I, I have no 
applications of my actual models, but there are potentials to apply it. And the particular type of equation that I've I've generalized, if you like, it's they they've applied this equation um, over the last 150 years, and it's been exceedingly accurate and exceedingly precise. So it's. Well, if they've it's, already got the equation, why do they need you? I mean, it's um, been around for 150 years. Well, yes, they've, it's been around for 150 years. That's just the basic equation. So we, once you're in, 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 particularly in physics and, 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 and applied maths, what you tend to do is you go for the most simple type of problem you can do. And if you can solve that, then that's like stage one. So then you look for more complicated problems, which and in more variables, and in more variables and more different different phenomena coming involved. So you 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 pile on the the different things until you build up a realistic scenario. So once you solve the very simple problem and you you go out from that problem, then you begin to get more of a more of a, an intuition for how that sort of phenomena works. Waves, for example. So people have studied some very simple waves, and then they've started to look at different phenomena, what happens when this this sort of thing does, when you, what happens when you have surface tension, what, when, what happens when you add viscosity, all this sort of stuff stems from the basic equation. So what I've done is just I've added an extra phenomena, which is electric fields. Yeah, so so that's my sort of addition to the um, to the literature. And have you developed a formula of your own that's now world renowned, yes. called the Matt Hunt formula? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Ah. Um, I've what I've done is I've derived a forced Kadam-Steff Petviashvili equation or a forced KP equation in three dimensions with an electric field term. That's my big contribution to the literature, as it were. So I'm going to be hopefully publishing this within the next few months. Yeah, which, in, is, your, which is your journal of choice? Uh, my journal, journal of choice for that particular paper will be Journal for Fluid Mechanics. and That's or a, rep, a reputable journal. It is the most uh, prestigious journal to publish uh, fluid mechanics papers in. Wow, well, I really, I'll have to get a copy of that. <laughs> so, just, uh, just flick me a tweet when it's out. I'll back yeah. to the news agents and grab one. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll understand very little of it, but I'll go. I know that guy. Yeah. He's good at doing waves and stuff. Yeah. So but then I'll have to listen back to the podcast five times to try and understand it. I've, I've interviewed scientists before, and I just edit it to make it sound like I really know what I'm talking about, when in <laughs> fact. It takes me four or five listens to try and keep up with what they're t- what they're saying. Right. Yeah. I, it's I, I, one of the things that I love about what I do, which is effectively mathematical physics, is using maths. I can model any particular problem I like just by writing down a set of equations and then playing with those equations. And then understanding of, of what, what understanding just what happens, and, and when you derive your own equation, the the euphoria is is really quite 
is really quite something. But it, it's a religious experience. Would you go that far? Um, no, I only ask because no. it's a self-serving <laughs> yes. interest, given the nature of the podcast. <laughs> It's more the the gamer type thing of what's known as an epic win. Power up. Yes, it's so you're just leveling up one equation at a time. Yes, it's like you're you're deriving your equation, and everything seems to cancel quite nicely. Everything goes in just just right into place, and when it does, when everything just works, you get your equation. It's it feels like an epic win. Absolutely. An amazing feeling. I look. I can't do maths to save myself <laughs> beyond <laughs> high school stuff. So I'm not really going to ever experience that. I wouldn't think. But I did play World of Warcraft for a year, so <laughs> I I understand the feeling you're talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. And when I say a year, uh, I don't mean continuously. I did take care of my personal hygiene and go for a run from time to time. <laughs> yeah. So. Let's just move on to a little bit of religion. What are your thoughts? Where do, where do you stand? I'm an atheist. Well, that was easy. We can wrap it up now. <laughs> and uh, do you get involved in some of the debates online on Twitter? Uh, Twitter, yes, sometimes. But my battlefield of choice tends to be Facebook. And I also went on to Matt Slick's website, calm.org. So I was on there for a couple of years. And to be honest, I I wasn't particularly aware of this this whole creationist thing uh, until I was studying, um, again, fluid dynamics in Manchester and got got friendly with a guy there, and he said, "You've got to see the sort of s- stupid things that some of these people say <laughs> in in the U.S." And it was him basically that turned my eyes on to this creationist stuff because I was brought up. I, I, I did a maths degree. I did a master's degree in mathematical physics from Oxford. I was doing an MPhil. In fluid dynamics, I was working as a scientist. I had no idea that there were people, actually a lot of people, who th- thought that some deity went piff path poof and created a universe and a planet for us to to live on. And I don't think that's the terminology that God used, though. Well, piff path poof. That sounds like the newer testament. Which book have you been reading? So and just like just like humans like just pairing on on earth now i my education outside of of maths and physics i have to admit is admittedly very weak but my knowledge of evolution has actually come on leaps and bounds because when you get into these debates on facebook and, and twitter and stuff you 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 actually pick up people who know their stuff for evolution and you learn from them you, you read books and and stuff and you read things online and you begin to get a feeling for for what evolution is now the the, the really nice thing about this is is just speaking to a scientist is the first thing they'll say is here's what i don't know you know my my strengths lie here in this specific field so cool never see a pastor saying that well (laughs) yeah it's 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 mainly our caveat to say Ah uh, well, it's not my field. So if you don't know anything, well, is 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 it's not my field sort of thing. So it's more of, it's more of a get out clause. Just if we don't understand something, it was, it's it's not my field. So that's the sort of reasons why why we say that. He put me on to the atheist experience. Oh, Matt Dillahunty and and co. 
Yes. What's compelling listening. Yes. I mean, Matt Dillahunt is, I, I, I would say he's a genius. Oh, I'd go further than that and say he's a god amongst men. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's such a powerful argument, such very clear understanding about religion. And zero bullshit. Yes. Yes. He's a, he's a very... Uh, but, but he can listen to a theist present their argument. At the very beginning of a discussion, he'll say, all right, who are you? Where are you from? What do you believe? And as soon as they say what they believe, he he takes it one step further and goes, okay, this is the argument you're trying to make, and here's why it's wrong. And then the poor theist just sits there in tears on the end of the line going, yeah. why did I call in? Yes, and one of the things that I did listen to was his debate with Matt Slick about his about Slick's transcendental argument. Have you seen that particular one on, on YouTube? I think I'll be punching it in after the show. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> um Dilla Hunty takes Slick apart. It's it's just absolutely brilliant. So I went to Slick's website and signed up mm. and I actually caught into Max Matt Slick's show a, a couple of times uh, as well. And I've, I wasn't really impressed with, with, with his arguments. The first time I called him was about morality and contraception and this, and this sort of thing. So, uh, Matt Slick's argument was, I think, along the lines of contraception will encourage people to, young people to have sex. Well, I don't think young people need the, encouragement, do they? I mean, that's just called biology. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I, my, my argument was, if you want to reduce abortions, then you've got to have easy access to contraception. In conjunction with education. Exactly. You have a good secular sex education at school, easy access to contraception without any stigma attached to it. That's the important thing. And then I think abortions will decline. Yeah, right. it's it's <laughs> it's a scientific process, isn't it? Yes. We can look at... Other areas, other examples, other real-world examples of other countries where this sort of thing has been applied. Australia, Britain, we've got relatively good education systems. Uh, I was introduced, I saw as part of the human sexuality course when I was at primary school in year six, so I would have been 11. They uh, pushed in the big cathode ray tube television on the, on the wheelie trolley with, yeah. the, with the VCR that was old enough to vote. And they yeah. popped in the cassette, and we all sat there and watched a woman give birth for 10 minutes. So oh, they edited a lot out, but, uh, you know, where they're sort of scraping placenta off the lens. Uh, <laughs> the, the, yes. It got the message across. And, yes. um, you know, having had that just come after, here's how you put a, a condom on a penis. And they actually, we, we had a real plastic penis there because we don't muck around in Australia. We know our way around a, a good plastic penis. What they found is previous years, they'd given, uh, they'd done the demonstration with a tube of toothpaste or a banana, and some people who hadn't necessarily been paying attention as to where you put this had gone, all right, well, let's go and have some sex, and they just go and roll a condom on the tube of toothpaste, leave it in the bathroom, off they go. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for something like that. But yeah, I mean... Just, I mean, it sounds like your sex education was superior to mine. We never had that thing. We never had, here's a condom, here's a plastic penis, this is what you do to put on a condom. We never had anything like that. Mind you, I did go to Christian schools throughout my education. Mm. 
And I have to say, the education was exceedingly poor in my Christian school. Oh, wow. It's exceedingly poor. I get very mixed reviews from some of the people I speak to on this. They're either, yes, went to a Catholic school, but they taught evolution. It It was a good curriculum, made a lot of friends. The, no pressure either way, didn't have to do religious studies, etc., etc. And then on the other side of things, you've got speaking to you out of the blue and you're saying quite the opposite, that, again, there's a lot of variables. It is a different country. Mm. It is, yes. Religious education was compulsory in our school as well. It, it wasn't particularly high standards, but I think that was just due to perhaps its location and the sort of kids it took, it took in. Um, it didn't really didn't seem to care about its teachers, so I, I actually got kicked out for being stupid. So I in my in my final year of A level, so I had to go to the local tech college. So I, I got the required grades to go to university, and I and I think out of all my year, I was the only one to go to a real proper university. So I oh. went to a university. Then I went on to Oxford. Then I worked and got sponsored by work to do a, a master's degree at a very prestigious university, University of Manchester, where Alan Turing was uh, before he committed suicide. Mm. And now I've just finished a PhD at another very prestigious university, University College London. So, oh, wow. so despite, I, I say, despite my education at my Christian school, I did very well. Well, it certainly sounds that way. I've got a question for you. Let's try and tie in your professional and non-religious secular heathen activities. When you're debating with, with, with a theist online, do you ever yeah. use real-world experience, something that's relevant to you that uh, that is specific in your field? Because I've interviewed um, Godfrey World at Kai Matai and uh, Mr. Hawkes, so Dr. Dave Hawkes. Mm-hmm. And all of these guys have experienced evolution firsthand in their professional jobs, so either archaeology or clinical virologists, uh, evolutionary virologists. They, they study those specific fields, and they can see evolution taking place. And that's sort of their, their strength and their, their go-to domain. How would you, if somebody brought up the topic of creationism, which seems to be a favourite of yours, how could you apply your maths to it? Could you? Well, Yes, evolution is it's a field of biology, and I know a little bit about it. I know the process. I know I, I understand about random mutation. I understand about natural selection now, but I, I could apply maths to evolution. But that's not my strength. My strength is mathematical modelling. So what I could do is I could talk about the formation of the Grand Canyon, for example, because many creationists think that the Grand Canyon can form in a matter of hours, weeks, days, months, whatever. Then I can use my academic expertise to say that's wrong because of this, this, and this. So that would be how I would use my training to debunk a creationist argument. Well, uh, on that note, we've got Dr. Matt Hunt on the line. So at Matt, M-A-T, a single T underscore Hunt, H-U-N-T. And if you've got a question about the Grand Canyon creationists uh, and how you might be able to apply a formula to uh, a silly statement, then he's probably the guy you want to talk to. So send him a tweet. Yeah, at please Matt do. Hunt. Um, I, I've also, I also, one of my things that I, I do like to talk to Christians about is the age of the earth 
radiometric dating. So again, that's that's basic nu- nuclear physics. And I've actually written a short two-page set of notes about how you derive the equations, how the equations are used, and I've and I use that as my explanation for why radioactive decay shows you that the world is old, not young. Mm. Uh, and my, Ox- my Oxford training was in general relativity, cosmology, quantum field theory. So I also have some knowledge of those advanced sciences as well. So I'm sort of all-round physics type person. So, Dr. Matt Hunt, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. Radio, you take care and no doubt we'll speak on Twitter. Yeah, okay. Cheers, Matt. Bye. Cheers.